Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Pulse Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 15th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. By the way, I know you saw it yesterday on Twitter. I'm going to say it again. Uh, if you are in New York City and you are a bar owner or you know someone who is Uh, I would love to talk to you. We have a lot of plans of things that we want to do in the city, Uh, potentially opening our own venue um, as the Pitcherless brand, just the best baseball baller ever. And I want to talk to you because I think there is so much opportunity, so many things that we want to do. And uh, we're trying to find that right partner to help start it with us. So if you think you're that person or you know someone who is, get in touch with me. My DMs are open. You can also reach out on uh, email via info at pitcherless.com. But you Darvish, six innings. One earned run, five hits, two walks, nine Ks. This is everything I've wanted from him. Not just the performance. I mean, of course, that is great. Fantastic for your fantasy teams. Really good to see against the Phillies. But what Darvish has done is turned himself from a thrower to a pitcher. In previous starts, we'd see this shotgun blast of him just using all of his pitches, trying to figure out how to get a strike. Or when he's behind, he'd go to this filthy stuff and really try and get a whiff on that situation or avoid hard contact in that way. And it was just too much chaos and he would get behind in counts and all of this. In this outing, I saw Darvish truly pitch. That is, utilize really four pitches. I mean, there are some others, of course, as well, but mostly just four offerings and locate with intent. That is, four seamers were upstairs. It was just elevated. Sinkers were only two right-handers with the intent of going inside. Did he nail it every time? No, but that's what he's trying to do. His slider was down and glove side, both to right-handers and lefties, also inside the zone for strikes, which is really good because it's a hard-to-hit slider. And then you have this curveball doing the same thing and going underneath for whiffs as well. This is it. You're going to say, Nick, 13 whiffs. We normally want to see like a 17-whiff, big whiff game from Darvish. I will take this all day. Darvish doesn't need to be that overwhelming whiff guy. He needs to be a guy that's locating as good as possible, making it hard to... Um, line up for hard contact, and the strikeouts will be there anyway because he'll get called strikes with it and he'll eventually get whiffs because the stuff is that good. This is amazing. I'm so ecstatic about it, and I just want him to continue doing this. I, I, you know, it's one outing. You cannot judge a starter by one outing, right? I've said that in both directions of being so good and so bad. So I'm, I'm now really, really looking forward to that next Darvish start, and I just want to see more of the same here. Uh, Charlie Morton, by the way, I used to joke in the offseason, even last year, where you know in 2021, Charlie Morton took until the middle of May to get locked in. And then in 2022, it took until the middle of June. So I would joke, oh man, I don't want Charlie Morton on my teams because it's going to take until July until he locks in. Well, guess what? Charlie Morton is locked in and it's July. Seven innings, zero runs, three hits, one walk, and four strikeouts against the White Sox. Curveball was pristine down in glove side. Fastball was actually really well located as well. Yeah, this is a, this is pretty dang cool. Um, we just keep starting Charlie Morton and hopefully I can get rid of that cherry bomb tag for him as a hipster as you're just starting him right now. It was the White Sox, so I will mention that, but still. Good to see that. Uh, Julio Urias against the Mets. The Mets have this tendency to allow opposing pitchers to just get all the called strikes they want. 
Urias had 12 over 20 called strikes on the curveball. That is a 60% called strike rate. Just called strikes, not even CSW. That is absolutely absurd. So, yeah, that's there. there's that start <laughs> for Julio Urias. That's amazing. I don't actually think he pitched as well as that line suggested of six, you know, innings, zero runs, one hit, one walk, and seven Ks. Changeup needs to be a little bit better. Fastball is whatever. But, I mean, he did what he needed to do. Good stuff. Corbin Burns had himself an outing inside of Cincinnati. Got the win. Six innings, zero earned runs, two hits, two walks, and 13 strikeouts. And there's a sense of, oh, boy, this is it. Corbin Burns is returning. And, yes, maybe. Um, 21 whiffs, 38% CSW for a golden goal here across 102 pitches. The cutter had 43% called strikes and foul balls. Why am I saying that? Because he threw a lot of them in the zone that weren't the pristine. I mean, when I when I think of Corbin Burns, I want you to have this image as well, where he just has this clump that is down and arm side constantly. I mean, this is just what he does. He does backdoor to lefties. He jams guys inside with it. It is how he lives. Okay. And when it when, against right-handers, he kind of does it down in a way a bit as well. But a lot of it is down. This wasn't quite that. It was a lot in the zone and he got those pitches that normally would actually be put into play were either foul balls or called strikes, right? That's why I'm highlighting that. Now, I have to mention the curveball, which has been the thing that I've been talking about as the missing piece for Burns for a bit. Nine out of 30 whiffs on that curveball. That's a near 33% rate, and that is so, so good. Love that. Uh, Changeup still needs a little bit of work, same a little bit with the slider. But yeah, this was great to see, and I just hope he keeps doing it at this point. And then I can give him his ace is going to ace label back. That'll be wonderful. Miles Michaelis and Trevor Williams were part of a game that was suspended in the third inning, which was really kind of rough for both of them. Michaelis was doing his Michaelis things, even though he was throwing in the middle of the plate. While Trevor Williams was actually doing well, 2.2 innings of five strikeouts. But yeah, we just kind of move on. Uh, Graham Ashcraft against the Brewers, six innings, one earned run, five hits, two walks, two Ks. Uh-oh, is this Ashcraft returning to form? Not really. His cutter is still terribly commanded. The slider was low location a ton, which is good. That's what we very much want to see for Ashcraft. But it breaks the Wasker Noah rule. Let's just say that's an elite slider, which I don't know if I'm ready to say it is. That's still just a two-pitch pitcher with one elite pitch, right? Yeah, I can't do that. Um, Dean Kramer against the Marlins got the win. Six innings, one earned run, two hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. 16 whiffs on that for Dean Kramer against the Marlins. We're at the point that we have to kind of roster Dean Kramer. He's getting whiffs on that four-seamer, and the cutter was pretty well spotted for the most part-ish. Um, I wouldn't say this is pristine command from Dean Kramer, but he's doing good things. Problem is that he gets the Dodgers next, and this was the Marlins, and that's going to get what I call whiplash, right? Going from a terrible uh, offense to a great one is going to hurt your whip. So, I don't know. I, I, it's a case where you could pick him up and stash him or just take the chance against the Dodgers. Because if he does well there, everyone is going to want to get him for the Phillies after that, right? So, it, it's a weird situation for doing Dean Kramer. I don't think that we have a second half breakout coming, but maybe. Eh, eh. I don't really believe the cutter and force him that much. Uh, Ryan Nelson against the Jays, 5.2 innings, one earned run, nine hits, zero walks, and three Ks. It's interesting. I'm giving him the gold star because this is against the Jays, and he did one earned run in nearly six innings. The cutter was down in glove side a ton, and that's really the thing that is interesting because Ryan Nelson's just been doing four seamers, and he's saying, what is my secondary pitch? It's not the changeup anymore. Maybe it's this cutter, even though it allowed five hits, only two of them were in the zone. 
Mm-hmm. Eh, I, I don't really think that Nelson is that good at the moment. I don't really trust that Cutter being this good. And the other secondaries, changeups or breakers are not where they need to be. Jose Brios against the Arizona Diamondbacks on the other side. 5.1 innings, one under run, seven hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. His velocity was up a tick, but really everything else was just kind of normal. So we just let that one ride. Austin Gomber did well against the Yankees, was up a tick on everything. But, I mean, six innings, two hit runs, six hits, zero walks, and two Ks. Five whiffs, 23% CSW. Yeah, we don't really believe it in his cores. And, yeah, no. Um, Sandy Alcantara and Eduardo Rodriguez and... Aaron Savali, lots of other guys to talk about. We're going to talk about all of those, of course, in Today and Tomorrow Starters after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Sandy Alcantara, six innings, two earned runs, eight hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. We're getting that. The changeup was thrown 34 times and was really well spotted. This is what we want to see with it. Maybe a little bit lower, but I mean, that's just getting picky. It was all glove side and down. Good to see. Um, The fastballs were the bigger issue. I mean, he did get a lot of outs with them. However, Sandy needs to not just throw these in the middle and give opportunities for there to be hits. It was eight hits. And sometimes you see that and go, he got singled out. And sometimes I say, well, you should have pitched the better pitch in that situation to not allow yourself to allow a hit, right? So there's still room to grow with Sandy Alcantara, but at the same time, it's still six innings and two in runs. And you are happy with that. I know the whip is annoying. Trust me, I'm with you. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez against the Mariners did exactly what we wanted him to do, which is have good command. It was five innings, two earned runs, three hits, two walks, and seven Ks across 88 pitches. So he stretched out, 93 on the heater. He earned strikes with changeups and got it down decently. And then the cutters were well spotted with that sinker, both glove side. Yep, that's that's what you want to see from Eduardo Rodriguez. So good stuff here. We feel good about him moving forward. Aaron Savali against the Rangers survived. And that's great. Five innings of two earned runs and six base runners and two Ks. Okay, I didn't really expect that. Um, and, uh, it was three whiffs, by the way. Um, he got through it. Props to him. Um, he's still just a Toby. Ross Stripling against the Pirates was something to consider, maybe, but I didn't want to do it because I didn't expect him to go five innings. It was 4.2, so at least he had the chance. So that's nice to see the Giants. So like, yeah, have an opportunity to do it. Two earned runs, five hits, zero walks, six Ks. But the changeup isn't the changeup that we remember. And the fact that he's only at 72 pitches and the changeup still is not that 2022 pitch... I'm not interested. I don't care. I don't want, really want stripling at slider fastball with some decent changeups, right? JP France against the Angels, 4.1 innings of two and runs, nine hits, two, zero walks, and two Ks. He was singled out, and he did a good job with his cutter and his four-seamer, but the changeup and the breakers, not so much. He's just a Toby, and just treat him like that. He should be better than 4.1 innings moving forward. Richill against the Giants give you a very poor quality start and two strikeouts, which is not worthwhile when he didn't get a win. Like, that's not 
anything that you want, even though it was against the Giants, didn't work if you're not in a quality start league. So, okay. Brian Bayo against the Cubs got the win. Also a near very poor quality start. Six innings, three and runs, eight hits, zero walks, and five Ks. This was a start once again of sinkers and changes being good. Four-seamer needs to be a little bit better spotted, and the slider is not there. So get used to this from Bayo. As he figures out those other things, he's going to do a lot of these, and he'll have those moments of greatness, and he'll also have starts that are worse than these when one of the change aboard the sinker are not there. It's kind of how it is as we hope for good, I don't know, I want to say good or great days, excellence ahead, a possibility of more. But I honestly think that the slider won't really come into form until next year. I think he needs a lot more time with it. Justin Verlander against the Dodgers, five innings, three earned runs, two hits, six walks, and six Ks. He was apparently booed by City Field when he came off of this one, which is ridiculous for so many reasons. One, don't boo your players. Lift them up. Don't bring them down. They need support in that time. They're not going to respond to you booing. Also, Verlander is a veteran, like, as if he's going to be affected by anything like that. You want to show support. Be like, hey, we got you. You're going to get through this, all that kind of stuff. Second of all, three earned runs in five innings, you're booing that? I know six walks and 104 pitches to do this, but come on. It drives me nuts. I know that the fan base is so upset in so many ways, but this is ridiculous. Um, Anyway, yeah, Verlander isn't going to be an ace this year. And I really, really have been kind of thinking about this a lot this season, kind of watching Verlander and saying like, yeah, he doesn't have this old strikeout rate. And I'm really ready to just move him away from that potential ace tier on the list, push him down into the Holly tier and just kind of leave him there in like the mid to late 20s. So it's uh, just something for you to consider. I think that Verlander is going to be generally productive for you. He's not going to have six walks, but uh, yeah, he's not an ace. Don't think of him as an ace at all. Luis Castillo is still an ace, despite going five innings of 300 runs, four hits, zero walks, and five Ks against the Tigers. Eh, so so it goes, no walks. Here, here it is, it's fine. Uh, Christopher Sanchez against the Padres, five innings, three earned runs, three hits, one walk, five Ks. I gave myself a streaming victory for this, which I don't know if I should have. But honestly, for a streamer, going a sub one whip and five strikeouts with three earned runs as opposed to two, I would take that, right? I would take the good whip and five strikeouts at the cost of one extra earned run. Does that make sense? I know you didn't get the win either as a loss, but I feel like this is still something that you're like, yeah, this is this helps me in this week more than it hurts me. Ken Waldachuk against the, uh, the the Twins didn't help you at 3.2 innings, 300 runs, 3 hits, 2 walks, and 5 Ks. And between Ken Waldachuk and Christopher Sanchez, I mean, obviously Christopher Sanchez is the one that I think could have a good second half. Sanchez's sinker was, uh, I believe, 19, yeah, 19 called strikes, which is absolutely insane. The changeup wasn't as good as it needed to be for him to be um, really excellent in this one against the Padres. So I think there's someone something to look into here for Christopher Sanchez. While Ken Waldachuk, uh, he's still working the top of the zone trying to with his four-seamer, but there really isn't anything else. And yeah, you do not go after Ken Waldachuk. Kenta Maeda against the Athletics disappointed us. Three innings, 300 runs, four hits, four walks, six Ks. Ugh, we needed a little bit more here, buddy. 14 whiffs, 31% CSW on 80 pitches. Yeah, the, the four walks wasn't really a product of chaos. It's just those at-bats got away from him. And the slider wasn't really that pitch we wanted it to be. So many were just comfortably in the zone and not really competitive in the zone. Does that make sense? Um, where they were just like there and like do something with it. And I need this to be more of a whiff pitch on the edges with the splitter. And then the fastball is your sneaky strike pitch. So not great for Maeda, but doesn't mean he can't recover from this. John Gray is in a different position though. Six innings, four and runs, five hits, three walks, and four Ks against the Guardians. You're not happy with this. This is not a start of production. Um, four strikeouts is really all you get with the negative ratios on both sides. 
And with John Gray, yeah, you could say the home runs got to him. Sure, sure, sure. But this is something where his fastball command wasn't as bad as we've seen lately, but the slider wasn't very good. And I'm waiting for that start where John Gray all of a sudden has both his slider gang whiffs and his four-seamer gang located well up top and down low, which he did here. And when you have both of those working, then John Gray goes on these stretches where he gets it in one start and then it sticks around for like a month until any any sort of disruption. For this, this last stretch, it was a blister. Okay, and then he's been bad since, right? But that rhythm will come back. The problem is that the next two starts are the reason the Astros. So you're not going to start him for those either. And hopefully he showcases the skills in one of them so that when you were already benching him, maybe you get the skills after. If you want to drop John Gray, I mean, you're not going to start him for three weeks now. Yeah, that might be the way to go because you can't trust him in this current state. Carlos Rodon started in cores. I didn't like this one going in because I didn't think he'd throw over 80 pitches, but he did 88 pitches. That's really good. It was four and runs and five innings, but it was a 120 whip of four hits and two walks and six Ks. So it wasn't so bad if he took the chance here. And I honestly think like now he's unleashed. Now is going to be the best version of Carlos Rodon. So if someone has Carlos Rodon and isn't really too excited about it, I might buy in now. It's not necessarily low, but I might buy high or whatever he is now because I really do think that Carlos Rodon from this point moving forward is a top 10 pitcher. I I, I think the skills are there. The the slider is there. You got nine whiffs in that pitch in this one. It's I think it's there, guys. I'm Shoei Otani against the Astros. Unfortunately, the blister is still affecting him as they were looking at it after this outing. Five innings, four and runs, five hits, three walks, and seven Ks. Good news is that was 35% plus sweepers in this one, which is what we want to see. And as long as Otani is starting, that means he's healthy enough to start, which means you're going to start him. Fortunately, you had to take the brunt of this one. Michael Kopech lasted just two outs against Atlanta. It's Atlanta. We didn't really want to start him with a Kope- with Kopech. His fastball was terrible. It was four walks and four and runs and one hit and zero Ks, and we move on. Uh, you don't really want to go after Kopech. He's just a deep, uh, I don't know, uh, desperate play for strikeouts. There you go. I know. <laughs> and lastly, it's Kyle Hendricks. Very disappointing because his last start against the Yankees was worse on paper than it actually was. As he did well for a while and then just a kind of couple pitches, got a, a hit a home run, Volpe hit a home run, all that kind of stuff on a good inside sinker. But this one against Boston was worse because it was 4.2 innings of five earned runs, eight hits, zero walks, and five Ks. And the problem was not actually the sinker or the fastball. No, those were really good. They had, I believe, 20 cold strikes between them. No, the changeup was just not good. And here I am saying, look, Ken, Kyle Hendricks has his changeup and his fastballs working. And I'm just waiting for the curveball for him to really go on a good stretch. But oftentimes when I say that kind of stuff, what happens is instead of gaining the skill that they're missing, they often lose one of the skills that they have. That happens more times than not. I've been keeping track of it this year, and I wanted that to be very apparent. Now, I don't think that Kyle Hendricks is going to keep with the skill down, but generally that happens first before the good thing arrives, right? So moving forward, I would still expect Kyle Hendricks to have his changeup and his fastball command. Fortunately, he didn't have it in this one. Looking forward to today and tomorrow's starters. We have Strider, Glasnow, Framber Valdez, George Kirby, Pablo Lopez, Zach Gallen, James Paxson, Blake Snell, Freddy Peralta, Andrew Abbott, and Marcus Stroman all in that auto start tier. Make sure Glasnow is in your lineup today. You have in the probable start tier of Alex Cobb, Chris Bassett, Braxton Garrett, and Reed Detmers. Bassett's in today because Gossman is dealing with left side tightness. The good news is that they took an MRI and it's clean. I know this is a lot of people's aces. It's a terrible, terrible thing to see that Gosman might be hurt. 
But good news is that he seems like he's okay, and hopefully next week he's back starting, and it's just really one or two skip starts, and that's it. Questionable start to, oh, as far as Bassett goes, it's against Arizona. I think you're going to do it. Um, yeah, you, you understand if you have Bassett, you can feel the shrug I'm giving right now. Questionable start tier. Steven Matz then becomes the uh, the stream pick of the day with JPC. He's not going today, but tomorrow he's replaced by Hogan Harris. I'll talk about him in a second. But Steven Matz against the Nationals had increased velocity on his sinker last time out. Had nine strikeouts. Had a really good command of his changeup and his curveball. And I kind of dig this. I think that Steven Matz should be picked up in your leagues for this one. Uh, and just kind of see where it goes. Kyle Gibson against the Miami Marlins. He had an amazing start last time, but is that what we're going to get? I don't know. Kodai Singh against the Dodgers. He's a strikeout play, but yeah, the, you know, the volatility. Mike Lorenzen gets the Mariners. That could be a decent Toby play. So here he is in the questionable start tier. Tywin Walker against the Padres. This Walker magic. Whatever. Okay. If you want to do it, go ahead. Tony Gonsolin is not as bad as his last start was as he gets the Mets. Lance Lynn against Atlanta and Gavin Williams against Texas and Andrew Heaney against the Guardians are all these ridiculous cherry bomb plays of just, all right, if you need something to maybe pull yourself back this weekend, maybe one of those guys does that in these bad matchups while Heaney gets the, the Guardians, but low strikeouts. So Hogan Harris against the Twins is a desperate ratios play. I don't really expect the highest of, I don't know, reward there, but uh, maybe that does work for Hogan Harris. And same with Johan Aviedo against the Giants. And in the do not start tier, there's a temptation to put Jake Irvin into the questionable start tier, but I think we still wait as he was only a tick up last time, I believe. Actually, no, he was farther. He was at 95.8. I'm forgetting. That was two starts ago. He's he's harder on the fastball and has this curveball he's throwing for strikes. Maybe he takes another step forward, but he's very unknown still. Um, and the Cardinals can be hot or cold. So I, I feel like you just kind of still wait on that one. Uh, Ranger Suarez against the Padres. He hit the wall with a Vargas rule two starts ago. So we avoid. Clark Schmidt and Coors, absolutely not. Cooper Criswell against the Royals. I don't care if it's the Royals. It's Criswell. Alec Marsh is kind of interesting, but it's against the Rays. Same with Cole Raggins against the Rays. Connor Seabold against the Yankees and Coors. And Ryan Weathers against the Phillies. Just avoid all of that. Tomorrow starts. We have Joe Ryan, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Zach Wheeler, Jesus Lazardo, Zach Eflin, Justin Steele, and Bryce Miller. So, I really wrestled with this. I don't know. Garrett Cole at number two, everyone's going to be upset about because it's Coors. I'm like, yeah, but also Scherzer against the Dodgers and Wheeler against the Padres, I don't know. Maybe I should have put Jesus Luzardo at number two, but we also know that Luzardo has dealt with um, higher whips than we want this year a lot. I know he's been on a good stretch, but I'm not going to rule that out. And I just feel like, you know what, Garrett Cole's going to do good things. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. So you just start your studs and whatever. Zach Eflin could be up there against the Royals. But then Justin Steele and... Bryce Miller at the bottom makes sense. Bryce Miller is coming back on Sunday. It's really good to see that. Uh, but we don't know how long he's going to go. Maybe it's like 75 pitches or so against the Tigers. I feel like if you have him, though, you start him. Probable start here. Yeah, I'm going to be starting Bobby Miller. I know a lot of people are, oh, no, Bobby Miller, not so good. And I get it. He hasn't been able to use the secondaries for strikes as much as I want him to. I'm still starting him against the Mets. I really think that he's just that good. And this will sort itself out over time. Uh, Jack Flaherty against the Nationals. He's in a good enough place to start him there. Cal Brash is killing it, and it's the Marlins, so fine. And Seth Lugo against the Phillies. It's the toughest offense, I think, of the group, save for maybe Bob Miller. But Seth Lugo just had 18 whiffs, and he has a good defense behind him. Questionable start here. I don't know what to do with Christian Javier, so you do what you want. There's a part of me that wants to start him anyway, uh, because he'll eventually figure this out, because the skill is still there of high fastballs and good sliders, but it's just not consistent. And also he gets a little bit too much cut on that four seamer from time to time. 
So do what you want there against the Angels. They don't have Trout after all. Uh, JP Sears against the Twins is my streaming pick of the day. Same reason for why it was going to be today, but he got pushed back. You don't really know what you're going to get, but if he has a good enough fastball, then everything's good. Yusei Kikuchi against the Diamondbacks. Hopefully the breaking balls are good enough and the fastball isn't chaotic. And Reese Olsen against the Mariners might be a little bit higher than you expected, but Reese Olsen with that changeup and slider could get a ton of whiffs against the Mariners. I kind of like that as a very sneaky Sunday play. Dylan Cease against Atlanta. Who knows, man? That is ooh, that is scary, but also high potential, but scary. Um, Tanner Bybee against Texas, same kind of thing. Uh, Alex Wood against the Pirates. He did go five innings against Rocky Road of Shut Up All, and that's pretty much the same thing as the Pirates, so maybe that does work. Martin Perez as the Toby against the Guardians, maybe that does work. And Cutter Crawford, I hope he goes more slider focus um, in that next start um, with sliders and sweepers, along with that fastball, instead of leaning too much on that cutter as Cutter Crawford could do well against the Cubs. In the do not start tier, I was tempted to Osvaldo Baido to put him into the questionable start tier, but I just don't think he does enough. It's too volatile um, against the Giants, so I'm benching this one. Same with Josiah Gray uh, against the Cardinals. Adrian Hauser gets the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati. I mean, maybe he chucks into fastballs to make that work, but no thank you. Brady Singer against the Rays, no thanks. Tyler Anderson gets the Astros. His changeup is not that good, guys. Colby Ellard against the White Sox. I know he had the eight strikeout game, but that was stupid and not real. Tommy Henry against the Jays, maybe, but uh, it's the Jays and Tommy Henry didn't have a good slider. Oh, yeah, he did, but he didn't throw a slider last time. It made no sense. So I don't know. Um, I'm not doing that one. Ben Lively against the Brewers doesn't have his slider and Chase Anderson in cores against the Yankees. Absolutely not. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for all the support. Make sure to reach out if you want to talk about a possible baseball bar opening um, under the guise of of pitcher list. I'm so excited about this possibility. Um, so come talk to me, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock and may your bounce below and your strikeouts high.